Hi, I'm Jesse Rath, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss and review the Supergirl Season 5 penultimate episode titled The Missing Link. We're going to have to say penultimate a lot during this episode of Supergirl Radio because we only get to say it once a season. It's the penultimate episode. (laughs) So (laughs) we need to make sure we take advantage of this time so that we can say penultimate a lot um, because this is the penultimate episode of season five. (laughs) All right. But before we get to that, we need to catch up on the news. The DC TV Podcast Annual Charity Event will be held on Saturday, June 20th. We'll be making a full announcement, so stay tuned for the details on which charity we'll be raising money for and how to listen to the podcast marathon. And if you're just joining us for the first time, maybe you started listening to Supergirl Radio in Season 5 and you're like, what is the charity event that DC TV Podcasts do every year? Uh, It's an annual thing. We've been doing it, uh, is this the 6th? Year? Oh boy. Maybe it might be. It might be. Um so we've been doing it every year and we have a full slate of live podcasting that happens during the day on Saturday, June 20th. So all of the podcasts on the network will be doing an hour of podcasting about various topics and you'll be able to come in the chat and uh, hang out with everybody and it's a lot of fun. We'll be raising money. Everybody'll be um hanging out together. A lot of the people that you here in the feedback section will probably be there so it'll be a lot of fun so make sure you save the date for saturday june 20th and speaking of a live event uh supergirl radio will be live and wired uh, on our (laughs) facebook page and on the dc tv podcast youtube channel next tuesday may 19th at 9 p.m eastern to discuss the season five finale so we're discussing the penultimate episode penultimate tonight (laughs) but then next week we're going to talk about the finale so we're going to go uh live on uh video on facebook and youtube so definitely come and hang out with us and participate in the chat and uh get to know some of your fellow listeners That'll be a lot of fun. So we got a lot of live events coming up and we'll probably do a bunch of live stuff this summer because we will probably have a lot of hiatus <laughs> to cover. So we will um, try to take advantage of the time that we have and do some fun uh, live things. Yeah, I think uh, the live shows are always a lot of fun. I like them a lot. Yeah, we we end up having a, a good time hanging out with everybody. So uh, just keep uh, in touch with Supergirl Radio this summer, even after the season ends, because we have a lot of really, really fun things planned. 
All right. Well, I guess we can go ahead and talk about this week's episode of the show, which was titled The Missing Link. So here is the official description. Quote, Supergirl and the team go head to head against Rama Khan and Leviathan. Meanwhile, Alina and Lex must join forces when Project Nonnocheri fails, leaving the two siblings in serious danger, unquote. Uh, in serious danger that they uh, put themselves in. Uh, they didn't really put that in the description, uh, but that was the case. So uh, I want to dive right into uh, perhaps a controversial subject. Did you feel vindicated at all, Rebecca, when Lena referred to herself as a villain? You know, the uh, the <laughs> internet... Because Mike turns to me and he went, vindication for Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did think last week, because I want to say that Kara said something at one point about, you know, I called you a villain. And I was like, see, see? Um, yeah, uh, Twitter told me that car did not call her a villain that i was i was adamantly told very aggressively by people on twitter that Kara did not call lena that uh but uh yeah no i do feel i feel a little vindicated that maybe uh maybe i was right about something i'm not right about a lot of things but i was right about that um so yes thank you for noticing i uh, thank mike for noticing i think she referred to herself that way like she was like I was going down a villainous path. Oh, like yeah. I was being a villain. It's like she had that self-awareness. So I feel like that's sort of the ultimate, like, Rebecca. <laughs> 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 that you got the Lena Luther stamp of approval right there. Well, that's what I never understood about that, quote, controversy, that non-troversy that we went through, <laughs> was that Lena herself questioned her own motives, even when she was a little girl. Like, I didn't make that up. It was something that the character expressed. <laughs> So I always thought that was really strange. So to have her um, voice that again in this week's episode was actually very refreshing. Although, um, I guess we I guess we could get into the Lena stuff. Um, I was going to start with the whole missing link evolution thing, but let's get into it with Lena because um, I am very curious about what your thoughts are because I understand that a lot of people want Lena to be good. And I understand the reasons for that. I think it's a, it's a good thing to want Lena to be good. We should all want Lena to be good. But I just think it's so boring. Like, I, <laughs> I, I watch it and we, we've kind of, like, they, they sort of got her to where she was a little evil and wanting to mind control the world. But then she never went all the way. And so it's just like... She basically was like, oh, I made an oopsie, uh, you know, forgive me, Car." Well, she didn't really say that because she said she's not asking for <laughs> forgiveness. But it just, it seems so like it, she waffles around a lot. And it's like, I get that you're kind of playing that gray area, but at some point I just feel like you need to pick a side. And it just, it drives me a little bit crazy. When I was watching this episode, I was like, this is so boring. Watching watching Katie McGrath like cry all the time it's just boring I I know I've said this for for many many years since she joined the show but she would be such a good villain like a real villain like a really <laughs> really good villain and they've never really explored it with her they they kind of did it this season with her not in a cherry project but it really wasn't villainous because she was like I'm doing this for the good of humanity and so I just I, I just feel like they're wasting her. And I maybe I've said that a lot. I know I have. But in this episode, it really <laughs> it really um, hit it home for me. That I was just like, 
ugh, this is kind of boring. They're just back to being friends again. <laughs> so I think I, so as a person who prefers Lena in that gray area, because I think that's where she's most interesting, where, where like Lena shows up into a room and you're like, is she gonna is she gonna take out her murdering jacket or is she gonna take out like a like a thing of uh, muffins? I don't know. <laughs> but I don't but, know. but is she? Either. But is she though? <laughs> She's always gonna revert back to being good though. <laughs> so so to my to my point, like I so my preference is always gray area, like gray area, Lena. Um, and I wasn't super thrilled with this either because I feel like. They've skirted around that idea of like maybe Lena might go bad in the future. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe she'll go bad, but probably not. <laughs> uh, and it's like, okay, but this was your opportunity to do it. Like, yeah, they could have even had their cake and eaten it too. They could have had her go bad, like pretty bad for like a season, and then they could have pulled her back from the edge at the end. And Supergirl is ultimately a very hopeful. Uh, redemptive show and so then they could have had a redemption arc for her um, but what they did was sort of like wiffle waffle they never really strongly committed to anything uh, and at some point in the season kind of even forgot that it, like Kara and the Kara and Lena feud was like a big thing that was happening and just kind of started like putting her on the back burner and like all of her uh, you know quote unquote evil plans and everything to the point where like when they, when Lena showed up at the the apartment and apologized to Kara, like of course I was happy because I prefer Kara and Lena as as like bros, but like <laughs> I prefer them as as friends. But at the same time, it felt rushed. It felt unearned, and also felt like like this was your se- if you wanted to do an evil Lena story, I think this was your season to do it. And I think they squandered that opportunity. They squandered Katie McGraw, who is uh, amazing at chewing scenery yes. and twirling mustaches yes. and being like really bad. Yes. Uh, they could have had her like in the beginning, even in the beginning of the season, they could have had her for a stretch of a couple of episodes be really bad after finding out after like the, you know, the, learning about Kara's secret they they didn't even do that really it was it was kind of this weird like you said this like half in half out where Lena was mostly just uh, like kind of whiny (laughs) and sad which is not a Lena I want to see I want to see uh uh, clavicle Lena. I want to see boardroom Lena. I want to see ballroom Lena. I want to see petty Lena. I want to see sad, crying Lena. If yeah. if Lena is sad, I want her in her murdering jacket. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't have an interest in seeing her just like bummed out and a little snippy at people. Like if she's gonna go petty, I want her to go petty all the way. <laughs> yeah, I just I I agree with you. I think this was the season. If they were ever going to explore that, this was the season to do it. Like I'm mad that they wasted it I think is the thing because I don't like I don't want to come in to season six and have them do another season about whether Lena and Carr are going to be friends anymore yeah I'm tired of this story I'm like to my bones tired of it like they Lena apologize let's move on let's never talk about it again <laughs> as far as I'm concerned like I don't think that seasons I don't think that they've set themselves up for a season six where like Lena would realistically be a villain and so I feel like they they lost their opportunity to have Lena go, like, like bad 
in a more interesting way. I guess that's like, it's not like she's been great this season, but it hasn't really struck my fancy as being all that interesting. Like I would expect Alina Luther who's going like a little bit, like a little bit gray, like a little bit grayer, a little bit like darker to be like a lot more interesting and maybe a little bit more unhinged too. Like Katie McGraw can do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think you make a lot of good points, especially because, um, the the se- the season after this if they tried to play up the is lena bad is she evil you can't really do that after this season so you have to keep her good so there's there's nothing to me there's nothing interesting about that because there's no uh conflict between Kara and lena which i kind of think there could be some interesting things there but if she's always like reverting back to being good then there the conflict the stakes get lowered there so I and I think you also made a good point about the redemption season. That could have been really, really interesting where Lena goes full villain, evil, like twisted evil, and then later gets redeemed and and Supergirl brings her back from the dead not from the dead, from the edge. Uh, although <laughs> that would be interesting too if she brought her back from the from the dead. But um but how much more impactful uh impactful would that be if Supergirl brought her back even though she had gone gone full evil that would that would say so much more about forgiveness and compassion if she like went full-blown evil and Supergirl found a way to forgive her so uh yeah I it's disappointing because like like you said like if they were gonna explore that this was the season to do it yeah it's it's kind of like a whole thing where you have these two strong actresses that are great in scenes together that always knock it out of the park. That would be great with a good beat meaty storyline. Like, you know, two, two best friends who are suddenly at odds with each other. I felt like they just kind of phoned it in this season. And like, this was the season to do it when she first finds out the secret. And like, I, I, I don't know. It just, it felt like a, a missed opportunity to me more than anything else. I saw what they were trying to do. I just felt like I never connected with it as much as, as I want it to. And at some point during the season, I just got tired of it, which yeah. I should not have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, I think now I'm just tired of the, the waffling back and forth. Um, so yeah, I'm just a little disappointed because it, it it does lower the stakes for me with the Carolina dynamic. I don't really have much interest in it anymore because it seems to always go in one direction. Um, but uh, it is interesting now that uh, Lena has sort of come forward to Kara and hasn't really asked for forgiveness and didn't really totally apologize, but she did admit that she had... Uh, maybe done some things she shouldn't have and maybe tried to maybe (laughs) control some people's minds and maybe that sort of got into the hands of some bad people and maybe she uh, shouldn't have let that happen. Um, So I guess there is that. And and I did like it from a Supergirl perspective for Kara because she does hear her out, which I thought was really um, kind of Kara. Kara had no reason to hear her out lena had imprisoned her in ice uh she had done all <laughs> sorts of terrible things to Kara, and Kara could have said you know what we're, we're finished here we're not friends anymore i don't appreciate what you've done to me and uh, she could have shut her out but she let her in she heard her out 
and uh, she seems to have made peace with that. So I thought for Kara as a character, I really liked seeing that side of her. Yeah, I, I like that as well. I wish I was also a little bit. So I was watching the episode. And I had to pause it right as that Kara and Lena scene started and, and do something and then come back to it. And when I came back to it, I saw that there were like three minutes left in the episode. And I was like, the whole season was supposed to be about this um, this disagreement between Cara and Lena, like this sort of feud between the two of them. And they gave a, us three minutes <laughs> to have them patch. Like, I was like, really? This is this is supposed to be the big emotional scene where they're like, they they start to patch up their friendship. They start to go on the same side again. And they they didn't give that scene enough time to breathe even it was like the the real estate in the episode that was uh devoted to that scene was so small like you could have blinked and missed it you you said you said real estate it made it made me want to segue to uh (laughs) national city real estate but we're gonna hold off on that for a little while because i don't want to forget my thought about the carolina situation well the reason i think they rushed it is because they need lena to make Kara a supergirl anti-kryptonite suit that's yep. <laughs> that's exactly why they rushed it because they they wrote themselves into a hole where uh they have all this kryptonite now which i guess on earth on earth prime i guess kryptonite has always been around it's always been a thing that's very easily accessible i caught the last like two minutes maybe of batwoman this week and there was some sort of mention of kryptonite on batwoman and i was like what so um <laughs> so apparently kryptonite's just everywhere. They're just giving kryptonite out as like little like little trinkets. <laughs> so apparently on Earth Prime, kryptonite is a thing that is very accessible and very widely known about. Um so it seems like the whole reason that they have gotten Lena and Kara to this point in the penultimate episode is because in the finale they're going to need uh, Car and Lena to work together to make some sort of anti-kryptonite suit so Supergirl can save the day. And honestly, that's a little disappointing because we've already seen that story. We've already seen yeah. Lena uh, make a suit for Kara to wear a Supergirl so that she doesn't... Like, we've just... We've already seen... I know we talked about how, like, the Daft Punk punk suit was, wasn't <laughs> around, and we have some feedback about that, so we can talk about that in the feedback. But it's it's another one of those things where it's like again we've already seen this again like it feels like a lot of things have been repeated this season and uh story-wise that's disappointing to me yeah no i i agree with that i just thought you know from a story perspective this was your big reunion scene in, in a way and it was just it was given it was it just kind of seemed like it was slapped together it happened so fast and the the Katie and, and Melissa both did a great job and the writing was pretty good for the scene, but it was just so, so little. And I think that's kind of, to me, a reflection of like what kind of happened post crisis, um, post, post Lex Luthor kind of slowly uh, taking over the show as, as maybe his evil plan was just like super go. Well, the TV show will be mine uh, <laughs> because it kind of feels that. And like, you know, we had a, 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 at least more of a focus on that relationship dynamic in the first part of the season. But then once crisis hit, she was just like, you know, off in a corner experimenting on prisoners, which is a totally legit and not shady at all thing to do. 
<laughs> who, who knew that could backfire on her? Well, she finally did start to learn that maybe the things that she was doing were maybe not the things that were uh, uh, good to do. She talks about how Nana Cherry was never going to work because people need pain because it's a, a necessary part of human uh, being human and, and of life. And, and Nana Cherry was never going to work. And I was just like, oh, so so you're finally there. I guess uh, it took you a little while to, to sort of realize. I guess she was blinded by rage and, and being upset. But I was just like, Lena, you're supposed to be smart. <laughs> like, you're supposed to be intellectually smarter than this. Um, but I guess when you're operating out of your feelings, uh, sometimes you are blind to that kind of thing. But at least I guess she, she finally got there in the penultimate episode. She finally got to that, uh, that reasoning. So... Uh, I guess we should be glad that at least Lena put those pieces together now. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that she finally got there where it wasn't just like, oh, my project didn't work and, you know, I guess I'm going to throw in the towel. It was, she like when she talks to Car, she's like you can't or she talks to either Car or Lex, she's basically says like you can't take away like a, a disagreeable feelings from people because that's part of being human and you grow from that and you can't just uh, shut yourself off to that and like it, it might sound great to have everybody be nice but you can't like force people to do that and you can't take away pain from them because then you're taking away the full human experience and I think that in in that case I did like that she had gotten to that point where she was like I was you know I was trying to do something very idealistically but it was never gonna work like it's it's just not doable um, and so I like that she like verbalized all of that out loud. It wasn't just kind of like, oh, no, Lex ruined my plan. <laughs> yeah, at least she came to a realization about what she'd been doing and why it wasn't going to work. And I think they had that in there because it was a contrast to Lex, who finally uh, sort of joined Leviathan in some way. And at least in their theory of humanity, where he's like, they really need to be controlled and I'm going to be the one to do it because I'm humanity's savior and this is this is a, what it's going to be like. So they needed, I think, Lena in the writing to be the contrast to Lex who did think that non Cherry was a good idea, at least in some capacity, because he thought humanity uh, did need to be controlled. So um, that, I think, is a good way to go about it because if you're going to have two Luthers, they have to be different in some way. So I guess even if I don't want Lena to be like a goody two-shoes, I, I understand from a writing perspective that you need those contrasts between them because they can't, they can't necessarily be the same character. Just like Superman and Supergirl shouldn't be the same character. So, um, so at least there was a Luther who did uh, take a more um, sinister uh aspect to what was going on with Nana Cherry. Although I will say what surprised me in this episode was the moment where Steve Lamelli uh, had fallen in the prison and Lena, Lena, I mean, obviously, cause Lena is, is, is good. She's never been a villain. Uh, she, <laughs> she has always been good. She will forever be good. Um, she goes back to help save Steve. Like, I kind of figured, you know, Lena would go back and, and fight for Steve. But Lex did, too, which I thought was really interesting. That Lex, I, I guess, maybe on behalf of his sister, because Lena sort of took to Steve, um, but he helped get him out of the prison. I thought that was really interesting. And so that I, I sometimes really like to see um, 
some some different shading on some of these sort of more villainous characters that um, there is part of Lex who does maybe care about people or at least has um, the ability to save people if he needs to. Um, so Lex did a lot of terrible things in this episode, but I thought it was uh, at least a, a good complication in his character that he had that moment where he did he did something good and, and noble. Uh, so that that I thought was a really surprising part of the episode for me. Yeah, I was surprised by that too, and I I like that as well. And I also thought some of it might have to do with like it, you're right, like Lena runs back to help Steve, uh, and so I thought maybe one of the reasons like Lex had run back too was to you know protect Lena. I think that there is a like weird twisted caring that Lex has for Lena, even though it's like based out of like pure manipulation like he just wants her to do what he wants her to do um but i i do think that it's the closest that lex luther has to caring about anybody yeah even though you know she killed him that one time <laughs> i mean siblings, siblings are gonna squabble i mean they're gonna have issues um yeah i think that's a good such point a, such a little sister thing to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i so i guess there is that part that like he saw that lena cared about steve and so he went back um to help him uh so that that was a an interesting look at their their dynamic from lex's point of view um and yeah and speaking of nana cherry i did think that there were some good things and some bad things about sort of the evolution aspect of the episode um not to get into like the whole theory of, of all of that um but uh just in terms of the writing like i thought the the episode title was clever in in a way because it was called the missing link which is uh a, a wikipedia says it's an unscientific term um for a transitional fossil that was the the way that wikipedia huh. described it um but the missing link is uh basically related to um evolution and the evolutionary theory and so i i did think that the episode did a good job in terms of connecting that because sometimes i don't think the the titles are really great on the show like sometimes they're not sometimes the titles are better than other titles like sometimes they're not real dynamic like i forget what episodes are because the titles don't like stick out in my brain or in my mind about things but this one actually had a connection to the writing of the episode because people like characters talked about evolution evolution or evolving a lot pencil skirt says you're just jealous because i have evolved and pete says symbols like languages evolve over time and lex says his need to survive clashed with his directive to do to do no harm which is obviously in reference to survival of the fittest which is part of the evolutionary theory as well and lena says Klaus <laughs> felt like his life was in danger his brain adapted it evolved to protect himself Lena says humanity will always try to protect itself to evolve. And Lex says evolution is a B word that I'm not going to say, even though he said <laughs> it in the episode. But um, but yeah, so I, I like the connection to the title with the the dialogue and the writing. But I also, I as I was going through it, I was like, y'all have got to stop saying this word. You need to figure out another way to say it. So I know I, I harp on that all the time, but... Um, it's but, the hope again <laughs> yeah it's it's the it's the sort of the word of the week and so um i know i i personally like uh hamper on myself sometimes because when, when i hear myself talk sometimes i'm like oh rebecca you said that word like 10 times so i don't just like take it out on the writers of the show like i take it out on myself because i just think you know we can all maybe expand our vocabularies is kind of what i'm getting at so um 
if 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 I try to do it, maybe hopefully the the show will try to do it too. But I I think their whole point in saying evolve and and evolution and all that kind of stuff, they were trying to tie it back within a theme in the episode. So, it's part of me likes that and part of me doesn't. But um, but at least it was memorable. The episode title was like I'll I'll remember this episode a little more because it connected to what the story was about. So I at least appreciated it from uh, that point of view. Um, so, uh, could we talk about Ramakan? Uh, let's please talk about Ramakan. <laughs> let's get into the Rama content of this episode. Because <laughs> all I want to talk about is Ramakan, really. Uh, let's start a spinoff podcast <laughs> called the Ramacast. <laughs> or, or Ramakan Radio. Uh, Ramakan are... Radio, yeah. <laughs> all, just all the Rama content you will ever need uh because uh the idea because i know we've we've known that leviathan is this immortal group of aliens i guess um but to see them in historical paintings um really <laughs> hit home to me the idea that these people have been around a long time and just to see ramakan in this like regal i don't know what what period uh clothing that that was but he was also in this, like, um, it almost looked like a stained glass window. I just, yeah. I was like, did people worship him as a god? Is this, is this what happened? Was he, was he a prince? Was he a member of royalty? What? I have so many more I, Ramakan questions now. I want to know so much about Ramakan. <laughs> uh, I want also, I want all the Ramakan uh, fan art. Uh, <laughs> uh, because there was some choice ones in this episode uh like what what was he up to that scamp ramakan like what was he doing uh throughout history i just i i don't know i it's funny i have no interest in pencil skirt whatsoever but ramakan what what he's an onion i think and i just want to peel i want to get to the next like i get it he he loves the earth and he wants he just wants to throw dirt at you <laughs> but like what else what else is there who are who is ramakan really <laughs> I want to do an inside the actor studio with Ramakan. <laughs> I, I I don't know how it happened in this episode, but Ramakan for me went from like that character we kind of joke about because he throws dirt and he might be selling a a, a wine product <laughs> to to genuinely me wanting to know more about him as a character. I don't know how that happened, but just seeing some of those like background pieces of art and those pictures they threw up it made me curious about his time on earth and I, I i don't want to insert my whole like i i think they should have done this uh part of my my thoughts but i really do wish they had spent more time that that, that they had that they had gone if they had gone back through his character journey and actually made him more of a if they had fleshed out his story a little more I think he could have been a really, really interesting character. Well, I mean, if you think about it, we had a whole episode about Andrea Rojas. We had an episode that was, like, pretty heavily about William. But, like, then they had almost no impact on the plot whatsoever post-crisis. Meanwhile, my boy Ramakan, <laughs> he, 
he's he's throwing gravel. He's throwing some rocks at people. He took down the DEO. This is Ramakan's Rama Renaissance, and I am living for it. Uh, the the, the Ramaissance. The Ramaissance. The Ramaissance is upon us, people. <laughs> we what, what do they have? Um, Renaissance fairs or something like that. What do, what do they call those? Is it is it a Renaissance? Oh, I think they are Renaissance fairs. Yeah. Uh, we should have a Ramaissance fair maybe this summer. Oh my god, I would be so down. <laughs> we could we could just make up his backstory because I Ooh. like. <laughs> we have these like, um, these characters who's been all throughout history that's the you know that's the look back i want like it, yeah. maybe if they wanted to make leviathan more like a little scarier um they could have given us like a leviathan flashback episode instead of the on not that i didn't like the andrea rojas one because i did it's just that we got a bunch of information that ultimately like led us nowhere with that um whereas knowing more about Leviathan could actually, you know, help us to connect more to the main story or the supposed main story of the season where we're still, we're on the penultimate episode. <laughs> and I got to be honest, I still don't care much about Leviathan. Now my boy Ramakan, I care about him a lot. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still don't care about pencil skirt whatsoever. <laughs> um, I I just yeah I agree like the the Andrea Rojas stuff has been really disappointing because the last couple of episodes all she's done is pitch me a an, an obsidian product that's all she's been doing she's like have you heard about this new obsidian north product that we're launching and like she just all she does in the last couple of episodes are just do commercials um yeah and uh that's not interesting at all especially from a character who who I guess had magical powers uh, who sort of teetered on the, the gray uh, line of heroism and, and villainy. And I would agree like that back, that backstory episode with uh, young Andrea, who let's remember nailed it. Like she crushed it. That yeah. young actress, she, she was just like Julian Gonzalo. She crushed it. So good. But you're right that she um, ultimately, I don't think Andrea has been a character that has really done much this season like i think i think if you i think when we look back at our season overview what we're gonna see is that the pre-crisis and the post-crisis are very disconnected because andrea pre-crisis was a big character who yeah. had like a lot of impact on the main plot post-crisis she's just been around to do commercials <laughs> i don't know if she uh is working with leviathan on purpose or if she just thinks pencil skirt is a good buddy uh, <laughs> and a solid and a solid investor i don't she uh she did like a quick Akrata thing, but I don't know if she's used the Akrata powers for anything else. And now we've got one episode left. I doubt I ever will. Like, is she going to be in next season? Why? Like, I, I just, I feel like the, uh, the characters that they brought on at the beginning of the season that seemed like they were going to have an impact on the main plot, they almost completely jettisoned uh, like about halfway through the season. And like, William, I think, has had more uh, to do than Andrea Rojas. And she was supposed to be, like, formidable and scary and somehow involved in the story. We spent an entire episode just on her backstory. And she's done nothing since then except, like, not care about help desk tickets. <laughs> no, but <laughs> she fixed that glitch, Morgan. 
she fixed it so <laughs> everything's fine now because andrea took care of it she took care of the glitch that it had continually dropped so everything is gonna be great. Everything's totally fine. I, I do feel like I should I should uh, apologize to the Obsidian IT because <laughs> clear, clearly that was my girl Eve. <laughs> it was not their fault. We have uh, we've mistreated the IT department. We do apologize <laughs> for assuming uh, your negligence <laughs> on this uh, scenario. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Like Andrea as a character. I guess she could stay around if they want to continue to have her be the head of Catco and Obsidian. But I sort of, I don't like that she runs both because I got, I even kind of forgot that William worked for Catco instead of Obsidian. <laughs> because he, he kept he kept hanging around with Kelly while they were doing yeah. Obsidian things. And I kind of had to remind myself, like, no, no, he's a, he's a reporter at Catco. That's where he works. Because it just... It feels like they they've they've meshed those two companies so closely together, which I get that like Andrea owns both of them, but there's got to be some kind of separation between them. So I don't know. I think Andrea as a character is more likely to stay around for next season, although unless they're going to explore the Akrata stuff, which they really should have done this season, but. If they're not going to do it this season, I guess they could do it in season six. But William is a character. I don't know. We'll have to see how things shake up in the, the <laughs> finale. But like, he's a character. I don't. I don't know if there's enough to keep him around. I don't. I don't know. So I just. I don't think they have done a good job of handling these new characters that they introduced. Yeah, these new characters got brought in, and they didn't really. They started to do stuff with them. It feels like they got bored or they got distracted. They forgot about him for most of the season. And now it's the end of the season. Uh, Andrea Rojas has contributed very little to the plot. And William, question mark? I mean, unless he's Comet, which we uh, we still have an episode left of the season. It could still happen. He's in mortal danger. And he could maybe just turn into a horse and gallop away. This this is how it happens in the finale. It's gonna it's one hundred percent gonna happen. We all know it's gonna happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where I know we've talked about it before, but like William is doing all the things that maybe Kara should be doing, and that hit me really uh, big time in this uh, this episode where I liked that Kara and Alex got to investigate something together, so I'm not gonna complain about that. But uh, when William calls her and he's like, oh, "I found this huge thing." This is uh this is somehow something that I could figure out, uh, even though I was just watching this on a laptop video. So I don't exactly know how he figured out the image inducer thing. Yeah, that was really unclear. I, when they were first looking at it, she's like, "Look at this," and I was like, "Old lady is using a Zoom background. Like, what? <laughs> what am I supposed to be seeing? How how could he know that?" But I just little things like that. I'm like. William as a character doesn't make as much sense to be on the show because he's just taking things away from Kara. So, um, so I, I don't know. We'll, maybe we'll revisit this after the season ends to kind of reevaluate some of these characters. But it does seem uh, just from like a, a viewer perspective, maybe on the writing side, they have a plan for everything and like they know things we don't. And so uh, maybe from a writing perspective, they have it all in order but from a viewer perspective, it does seem like they have an imbalance in where they've put some of the priority and some of the, the focus on which characters win. So um, I, so I do think that that is something that maybe we could revisit when we kind of look at it as a whole. 
uh, because man, I could I could have used some more Ramakan. I could have used a lot more Leviathan. I could have used some more pencil skirt. You may not be into pencil yeah. skirt anymore, <laughs> but I was loving the pencil skirt Ramakan banter back and forth, like them, like kind of uh, uh, verbally uh, fighting each other. I was into that. I was so enjoying because <laughs> I think there was something. Uh, what did he say to her? He said uh, he said something about your idiotic ringlets, ringlets, and obnoxious porcelain cheekbones. Like I love oh, that made me laugh so hard. Because <laughs> because pencil skirt was kind of like yeah I you know you know I'm all that I've got I've got porcelain cheekbones like she was kind of yeah, like shredding her stuff. He for said that pencil skirt was like yeah. What about it? <laughs> I I respected that, that she was like, nice. I mean, obviously, I'm mad at you, but like, yes, please. Thank you. Uh, yeah, they're back and forth. I could have watched a season of them bickering back and forth <laughs> about like, who's like the biggest, baddest, whatever you are thing. And like, oh, and like when she comes in and he's like playing cards and he's got handcuffs, like these weird handcuffs on, I was like, I don't understand what's happening, but I think I'm here for it. <laughs> Did she just stick him in a basement with <laughs> in handcuffs this whole time? Is that where he's been? I guess so. In, in a really nice basement. It had lots of art on the walls. It he was like in a rumpus room. Yeah. She's like down to the rumpus room with you, sir. <laughs> yeah, I could have, I could have seen, I, I could have watched so much more of Leviathan and these two because I think their dynamic is really interesting. They're sort of, they're back and forth over who was the the greater Leviathan member. Um, I still don't know if we're <laughs> gonna meet like the head of Leviathan. Maybe I guess we're gonna meet whoever that is in the finale hope that's not disappointing because they built that up a, a lot <laughs> but uh but i i wish we had gotten to spin like i can see why leviathan might be considered the greatest threat of all time because they're trying to get all these people in the vr and kill them all at once that's a pretty big threat uh but i think if we had gotten little little pieces throughout leviathan uh all season i think that would have done a little more for me to uh, consider them something to be scared of now now i think they've established that they it took the penultimate episode for me to go <laughs> okay all right so there's some stakes to this season now um so i kind of hate that they they waited so late in the season but i think they finally got there at least for me with leviathan and and what they're capable of doing yeah i mean when they when ramakan got well first off when ramakan sort of breaks out and like goes to oregon starts trying to like uh earthquake uh earthquake it up i was like ramakan like does he just have one uh one go-to move and it's like natural disaster um and then he got taken down really really easily and and mike uh, turned to me my fiance turned to me and he was like really disappointed he's like i can't believe my man ramakan went down like that <laughs> uh and i you know mike loves ramakan because mike loves plants and he sees ramakan <laughs> as a as a plant guy and you know not maybe the negatives about ramakan and uh <laughs> so, so we were like man ramakan went down easy and then you get him to the deo and he's like i got here on purpose and i was like ramakan that was the beginning of the the uh ramakan renaissance i think <laughs> the renaissance 
the Ramasas began, tr- truly began at that moment. But like he was the first couple times he showed up, he's got an amazing name um, and, and a kind of a weird costume. And his whole thing was like throwing people into piles of mulch. And I wasn't. <laughs> Admittedly, I wasn't quite there with Rama Khan. I didn't think he was that scary. Uh, but I thought in this episode, he actually seemed like pretty threatening and pretty wily. And like, I like that he outsmarted uh, everybody and that he outsmarted Brainy, although that apparently is not hard this season. <laughs> and, and like, he essentially, he took down the whole DEO, um, which I thought was funny because there, a lot of our listeners have been, um, have been wondering and theorizing if they were going to get rid of the DEO this season. And Ramakan was like, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he seemed threatening in this one. Like, I feel like this episode, I felt like, to your point too, I felt like, oh, okay, Leviathan has something behind it. Like Leviathan can be threatening. They're not just trying to launch a product <laughs> badly. <laughs> Which they've done most of the season. That was it's most of Leviathan. Quarterly earnings report. <laughs> yeah, I I thought that moment where he he turned out to be intentionally taken in by the DEO and he um got all that kryptonite down. Uh, I really loved the shots of like the close up of his face with like part of the green like glowing on his face. That stuff was really good. Um, so I do think that they established him more as a as a as a real threat in in terms of a villain in this one because they did that a little bit with a pencil skirt when she went full on like metal robot face. Uh, they they finally made her threatening, um, and so they finally got there with Ramakon, which I thought was good because now now I'm a little concerned about our heroes. Um, so that I think is where you want to be as a TV show. I just wish they had done a little more, uh, if they had done a better build up to that, I think it would have been a really nice payoff. But this episode, I thought, did a really good job to raise those stakes. Now, let's talk about the DEO, because that is a significant <laughs> thing that has happened. R.I.P. <laughs> so, do you think the DEO is gone for good, and, and they're just going to, like, dis- disband the DEO um, altogether? So, yeah, I do, honestly, because... Uh, just a lot of our, and I don't want to like take credit. A lot of it, this has mostly been coming from a lot of the feedback we've been getting from our listeners who pointed out very rightly that the show has like pushed back from the DEO little by little over the last, I'd say season and a half. And to, at this point in this season, like they're barely in the DEO. There's, I think the only one of our heroes still left in the DEO is brainy. Um, and nobody else. And they've kind of transferred over to like John's like little, uh, I can't remember what they call it. The, the, the tower. The tower. I was going to say the watchtower and I was like, that's not right. That's I, a different thing. I think it's sort of there because in, in uh, Justice League Unlimited, they have a watchtower in space that Justice League does. So I think it's maybe short for the watchtower. Although there's also a watchtower in Birds of Prey. So it's a little confusing. There's a lot of watchtowers in the DC universe. <laughs> So many watchtowers, but like it seems like they're spending more time there, uh, less time with the DEO. They have Alex like completely out of the DEO now. They seem to be pointing in the direction that Alex is going to become a vigilante of some Which kind. We will get to next, um, because I have lots <laughs> Which, of thoughts on all that. Right. <laughs> um, so I don't, I frankly, I don't think that they have 
intentions for going back to the DEO. I don't now if it was my show and it's not <laughs> and and it never will be. Uh, but if it was my show, I would have them reestablish the DEO next season. And then like Brainy comes into work and, and he, he finds out from, from Pam from HR who survived. Uh, <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, Pam from HR who now has like an eye patch or something. Like really gnarly. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. We, uh, we replaced you as head of the DEO, you know, due to the fact that the whole DEO collapsed on top of us. <laughs> not a great and, job. Uh, not a great, not great leadership. Uh, <laughs> you've lost your job. Um, and here's your new boss. And then like in comes director bones and he's like, what up? <laughs> <laughs> Smoking a cigar in the shadows. Smoking a cigar, just not care. He he's like, hey, could you help me hang this uh this newspaper <laughs> article about what a great villain I was? <laughs> <laughs> See, now that would be the great way to introduce Director Bones. I personally, if this is how the DEO goes out, I will personally consider it very insulting. Uh, that they, <laughs> that they have done everything in their power not to introduce director bones in five seasons of supergirl including the deo uh i i i find that very offensive uh to me personally that they, it's, <laughs> it seems like they are trying to do everything they can to disappoint supergirl radio on the deo front and you know what success uh because uh the idea that they would have had the deo for five seasons and director bones doesn't make an appearance or even uh, gets mentioned at all that is severely disappointing. So I hope that if this is the end of the DEO, I don't know. I I almost was more upset about losing the DEO than I think I ever have been with any of the actual character deaths on the show. <laughs> and I'm being a hundred percent serious. Is it just because of is it just because of Director Bones or is it because you felt that they didn't ever properly utilize the DEO? Well, both. Um, because there's so much that could be done, um, through the DEO. And we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that. Cause I know we have some listener feedback on that, but there's so much that's just left undone, uh, with the DEO. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I guess we'll have to see what they do with it. Um, but if that's how the DEO goes out, that's, it's both disappointing because I think you could do so much more with the DEO. But then I also think the the moment that the DEO building collapses, that was a significant moment in the episode. Like it was a really jaw dropping moment uh, for me. So I think it was really well done as a moment. Uh, but yeah. in terms of the um, broader picture, I think it it sort of leaves me wanting more. So uh, so we'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll see where they go with it. But. Uh, Man, right. You know what's going to happen is Director Bones is probably going to end up on Batwoman. He's going <laughs> to he's going to end up on Batwoman and I'm going to be like, "See, Batwoman's doing something with him. It's totally going to happen. Just mark my words. At some point, I'm I'm predicting he's going to show up." Like on Batwoman, they have people who have like who like literally just like like whoops. I got your face now. Uh, so I, I could see it where it's like, hey, this is a giant skeleton man. Um, <laughs> they just steal. They just steal all the things that we want. Like slowly they just go over to Batwoman. It's like, snapper car. How did you get here? And he's like, snap, snap. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> I just, I think it's going to happen. It's just, uh, it, it, it would, uh, 
it would feel right in some ways that we would we would lose the DEO and, and the possibility for Director Bones and, and Batwoman would pick it up. But anyway, so um so I am a little disappointed by that, but I did think that the uh the moment that it happened was was a big deal and I'm glad it that it was a big deal because it should have been. Yeah, I like I liked how they paid it off. I just like yeah, I'm also I'm I'm wondering, you know, if we'll ever get back there. Will they rebuild? Will we ever see it again? Is it just gonna get shuffled off like a lot of things from season one. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think I th- I agree with uh, you and the listeners. I I think this is it for the DEO. I think they've they've done that moment so they can just say, well, I guess that's it. We're not gonna revisit the DEO. The set's gone. That's it. So if that's if that's the case, then yeah, that's disappointing. But I, I guess at least if you had to go out, that's a good way for the DEO to go out. Um, speaking of the DEO and people who used to work there who don't anymore, um, we (laughs) probably should address the Alex Danvers portion of this episode. Um, so what are your thoughts, Morgan, on the potential that, uh, or the possibility that Alex might be putting on a mask and becoming a vigilante? Uh, I really don't know how I feel about it. Um, it, it feels almost like an omission from the show that they have not known what to do with Alex Danvers for a while now. Uh, and that they're really floundering with her character. Um, and when we talk about like, Hey, stuff with the DEO, remember <laughs> when she was supposed to be the DE, the director of the DEO. And they just kind of whiffed that. <laughs> like there's, I don't know. There's so many Alex storylines that you could tell. And and they've not been telling many. Um, and so the idea of her becoming a, a vigilante of some sort, maybe becoming something like guardian, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I And I think it, beca- it, it butts up against like a, a thing that you and I have talked about a lot, which is, you know, the more vigilantes and super people there are on this show, the less unique Supergirl is, yeah, you know, the main character of our television show. And uh, I always liked the, you know, season one through, I guess, three um, way of dealing with, with Alex, which was that she was a normal person who was just really awesome and could, you know, get herself out of a situation with her pants, <laughs> her own pants. She could just like, I will make a tourniquet out of this handkerchief and I will <laughs> like, you know, repel us down this, you know, whatever. She was like MacGyver. And I liked that. Um, and I didn't ever feel like, you know, we we needed her to be super in any way. But now I think the problem is the show has so stacked the deck of with super people because now, you know, we have Marsha Manhunter, who we've always had, but like. We have Brainy, we have Nia or Dreamer who can do whatever she needs to that day. Yeah. Um, and we have, you know, for a while we had James in the Guardian suit uh, who was kind of a vigilante. And so there was, there's, it's kind of gone from being a show where Supergirl is the main super and everybody's sort of supporting her to like a super team that Supergirl is just kind of heading up and... Uh, we, I guess we could talk about, you know, whether or not we like that. But, I mean, at some point it does kind of feel like, you know, we here it's Supergirl and Dreamer and, and Martian Manhunter. And uh, this is her sister, Alex. Um, Alex has a gun. That's it. 
So, I mean, I guess I kind of understand it from that perspective where it's like, you know, you, you staging all these fights and what can, you know, you've got all these super people, what can Alex do? So I kind of understand the idea of like vigilanteing Alex, but I don't know that I like it, honestly. Yeah, I'm I'm mixed about it too because I I think what was appealing to Alex in the, those first couple of seasons was the idea that Alex was Supergirl's Supergirl, like Alex was Supergirl's hero, and Alex yeah. did, Alex didn't need all that other stuff. She was just so awesome that she could take care of Carl without needing any of that stuff. She was a you know a trained agent. She was really good at what she did, um, but she didn't have to have any kind of s- superpowers or anything like that. She didn't have to wear a mask. She was just really good at what she did. And so part of me thinks the show has kind of lost the plot with Alex. If you think that she has to put on a mask and become a vigilante in a costume superhero garb, you've lost, you don't understand the character. Like in my opinion, they don't really get why Alex was appealing in the first place. Um, because Alex was that human being, that human person who this alien came down and started living with her. Like, that was their dynamic, was the human being with the alien. Like, they had to become sisters and figure out how to become sisters. And so I think you don't have to make her rise up to be on Kara's superhero level. She just already was that through who she was. So I, I don't like it from that perspective. And I'm also really confused why Kelly is encouraging her to do this. Because <laughs> because wasn't Kelly's whole thing that she oh. was worried about Alex going mm-hmm. out in the field and being killed because she had that whole thing with her other fiancé who died? Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, Kelly's like, you know what you should do? You should get a mask and become a vigilante like my brother who almost Kelly's like who 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 almost died when I was introduced on the show. Yeah, that's how I came in because my brother almost died from vigilanteing. But also I have this barely used shield and it's yours if you want it. Like Oh <gasps> uh, Morgan, if she gives her the guardian shield, I'm gonna be so upset. I'm give her the guardian shield. No. I also feel like I don't know, like the idea of so there's definitely a possibility right that alex just becomes guardian right oh, that's definitely oh no because that ruins our whole like that. That, that, <laughs> that ruins our whole um news gal legion yeah i know because now alex has to lead the news gal legion <laughs> no but it doesn't make it, but doesn't it doesn't make any sense if alex does it because kelly's the one who works at the news place i know she, she's the one that works in the obsidian cat co thing so she's still in the news biz and she's, an Olsen. <laughs> yes, and she's an Olsen. Yes, and she's an Olsen. Olsen. She's a she's a OG guardian. So she has to be the one to to lead the News Gal Legion. <laughs> so that we cannot have this happen. I, this is... I feel the News Gal Legion slipping from my fingers. Ah, <laughs> oh, the DEO oh. has been taken from us. Hope was taken <laughs> from us, and now oh the News Gal Legion is being taken from us. I'm very upset, Morgan. What if next season on Batwoman there's the News Gal Legion? <laughs> we might have to switch shows i don't know if that happens i don't know what's gonna go down uh because but if batwoman just takes all the good supergirl (laughs) ideas that's gonna be really disappointing but i think it is a possibility that she's just gonna but that disappoints me for kelly because kelly was using the guardian shield yeah it it, that felt like it could be something cool for kelly to do 
when she's not submitting tickets at her tech <laughs> job, which I have to say on a superhero show is not incredibly interesting. <laughs> I also have questions about the baby thing. Because, oh, oh uh, you know who doesn't have questions about baby? Alex Danvers, who doesn't <laughs> care about babies anymore. <laughs> because they made that out to be such a big deal in season three. And I know, like, part of that season was being showrun by someone else who left the show and the new showrunners came in at the end of season three. I get it. Maybe they're transferring away from what was set up. But they explored it a little in season four, and and that seemed to be like a big deal for the character of Alex Danvers. So my question is then, the whole reason she became director of the DEO was that so she wasn't out in the field anymore, and she could make room in her life and have a little bit of a safer presence because she was sort of behind a desk. She wasn't out there putting herself on the line, and so she could explore being a mom that way because it would be a little bit safer in some regards. She was still kind of out doing stuff and fighting bad guys. But um, but now if she goes out fighting in a mask as a vigilante, <laughs> isn't that also defeating that purpose? So, so my question is, are they ever going to have Alex explore the baby thing? And my feeling is no. My my answer to my yeah. own question is no, they don't care about that anymore, and that's not a thing that they're going to explore. And it just it's very confusing for me. So here's the thing, I I do tend to believe on a lot of these shows that bringing on a baby not always the best idea, not always the best idea. It's a it's a tough it's a tough road to walk with having like a baby on a show, especially on an action show with superheroes. I'm not saying it can't be done or it can't be done well. I'm just saying it's tough. With that said, I feel like they only use the baby thing to break up um, Maggie and Alex because uh, Floriana Lima decided she didn't want to be on Supergirl anymore. Um, and if they had decided to do that, and it was like a reasonable reason for the two of them to break up without there being all that like, you know, CW drama and like, oh, my God, you cheated on me or whatever. Um, and I thought it was kind of a realistic reason to break up with somebody, although probably not after you've been engaged. Hopefully you would have had that conversation already. Um, but, you know, they, they move fast uh, and then didn't have any conversations. But they, you know, if they weren't ever going to follow up on the baby thing, they could have had, say, Maggie get a great job somewhere else and like asked Alex to go with her and Alex felt like she couldn't leave her sister and that's why they broke up that would I be mean, perfectly reasonable that would be a perfectly reasonable way for them to break up with like no hard feelings kind of similar to the kid thing but you wouldn't then like basically saddle Alex with this storyline that always feels like it needs to be addressed <laughs> if, if they hadn't brought it back up in season four I, I would have just thought well they they brought it up in season three and that that's that's over. That was just a thing they needed to get out of the relationship in season three. But they brought it back up in season four. It became a thing between her and Kelly. It was like a mini story arc that she was going to yeah. adopt this baby. And so now they're just going to like put her out on the streets as a mass vigilante. I don't understand any of this. Uh, so I just, I guess there's not a lot I like about the idea that Alex is going to become a costume hero now yeah i just i it i i don't know that it's necessary it doesn't feel needed for her character do you feel like we're just redoing what happened with james because, yes <laughs> because because it we had that whole conversation with james that like they didn't know what he they didn't know what they wanted to do with him so they just made him a superhero and he did that for a little while and then they dropped that and he went off to calvin town to 
obviously go uh, train and mentor the Newsboy <laughs> Legion in Calvintown. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, you mentioned how like they don't really know what to do with Alex, and so their go-to is, well, let's make him a superhero. Uh, so yeah, that that's that's unfortunate because there could be so many other things that they could be doing with Alex, and. Uh, I think that they used her well in this episode where she was helping Pete, uh, Mr. Uh, Samwise. Uh, she was helping him uh, go through uh, the investigation <laughs> Rudy, into, Rudy. <laughs> into into Leviathan. Um, so I thought all of that was good. And that felt like Alex Danvers. Like she was, yeah. you know, running and dodging bullets in a parking deck. It was, very, it was very alias for that portion. I was like, yes, I like this. This is like... But then, but then afterwards, like the whole thing kind of became about, you know, her being a civilian again, and then it came back around to the vigilanteism. But I was like, during that period where she was researching things and she was like, you know, jump like dodging bullets and like jumping into cars and speeding away, like that's like action. That's who I want to see. Yeah, that that was Alex Danvers. Like to me, that defines more of who Alex Danvers is and what she can do. Versus her put, putting on a mask. I don't. I don't know that Alex. I don't know the masked Alex. Um, and maybe maybe I will grow to eventually like it, like I did with Guardian. Eventually, I got to the point where I was like, okay, maybe I could be about this Guardian thing. Probably because we did that character spotlight, and I was like, I really like the newsboy thing, and I convinced myself <laughs> that Guardian was an They're awesome gonna character. Do it. <laughs> like the comic book iteration of Guardian was so good that yeah. it made me sort of like it to where I wanted to see more of it on the show. And of course they never did anything with it. I feel like right when we started liking guardian was when they had James essentially drop it. Yes. So I, <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things where I don't want to go through this with another character, but it looks like we have no choice. I think this is a thing that's happening. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense with the story and what Alex and Kelly have been going through this season and I, I just I have so many questions about the choices for that but I guess uh, that's where we're going um, I guess uh, we should probably wrap it up we've we've talked a significant amount, <laughs> uh, amount about the episode so we probably should get to feedback and we, and we can, can continue to have conversation uh, in the feedback but uh, do you have any just like uh, general overall thoughts about the penultimate episode this week my thoughts about the penultimate episode <laughs> you know the episode that is the penultimate one, <laughs> the episode that is penultimate, um, <laughs> my penultimate feedback on it. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was, well, it was way better than last week's. I will say that. Yeah. Um, that's, that was a low bar that it stepped over. Um, and I thought it was pretty good overall. I liked the Leviathan stuff, the uh, return of Ramakan, who knew was very welcome. Uh, perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps it's because I've come to to love Ramakan and his Rama wine. I have <laughs> imagined him uh, drinking a Chianti and looking out across the rolling fields of Tuscany. Uh, <laughs> so it might not have anything to do with the actual show. <laughs> I thought, but I thought Ramakan was actually really good in this one. Leviathan actually felt threatening for maybe the first time. Uh, I'm glad that they at least picked a lane for Lena and like uh hopefully are resolving the lena cara feud in you know in the finale because i had grown so tired of it um and i will say like i also we didn't really talk about this but the stuff that they're doing with brainy this season 
I don't have, I don't know what's happening there. Um, he is supposed to be smart, presumably, but he has been very dumb this season. He, he, he told Lex, he said, I'm a 12th level intellect. Did, did you really think I wouldn't connect the dots? And I was thinking, well, you haven't really. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, I was like, not that much. Like in this episode alone, he is played by two separate people. Now, Lex Luthor is very smart, and Ramakan is uh, very distinguished. I don't know how smart he is. He's, he loves dirt. Uh, he's got he's got the smarts of the earth. Uh, <laughs> but it's not a good look to have your air quote quote unquote smartest character continually played by other people. At some point, I'm gonna wonder how smart they actually are. Yeah, I. I think that some of the brainy stuff might be, there might be po positioning him as this is his low point. I mean, he is the director of the DEO and his building did crash to the ground. So I don't know how much lower he could have gotten. Uh, so maybe this is his low point to have a high point in the finale. I'm hoping that that will be the case. Um, Jesse Rast did a really fantastic bit of emotional acting with Lex at the beginning of the episode where he, he really kind of gave it to Lex. So I was glad that at least, even though Brainy hasn't really shown off a lot, at least Jesse's been doing some good stuff in, in the acting department, I think. I, I did like his little scene with Ramakan when they were speaking uh, Ramakan's language and, uh, and Brainy was doing that so that Supergirl and Dreamer didn't know what he was saying. So I thought that was at that least was smart. Cool, yeah. Um, so he could, he could talk about his partnership with Lex without them finding out. Um, but yeah, it's disappointing that he's the smartest character on the show. And he's also the, the one most connected to technology. <laughs> still, <laughs> still not really doing much, but hopefully in the finale, um, uh, maybe he'll come into play a little more. Um, I did think this episode was a, a tremendous step up from the previous episode that we saw with uh, Deus Lex Machina. Uh, <laughs> it was it was much, uh, I think, even though they said the word evolve or evolution or evolving a little too much for me, uh, I thought it was a little uh, better in the writing department. I think there were a lot of really great shots in terms of uh, camera work, some good acting. Uh, the scene between John Cryer and Katie McGrath, that was just, I mean amazing i mean john john crier's lex has sort of taken over the show here in the second half but he john crier's still killing it as the character like he's still really good oh yeah his acting is really good um so i think there's some some good stuff there um leviathan has gotten a lot more interesting for me so i think this had a lot more positives than negatives i even wanted magan to stick around i was like me too can, can we keep magan i want to keep her because she actually gives jean something to do like she uh, she gives uh jean a, a storyline uh that he could pursue and someone to talk to so jean and magan i think at least uh, played really well together and uh the the connection like there was a there was a heart connection there that i kind of felt with those like i felt for those characters and sometimes with the show i haven't felt that kind of thing here lately uh, as a, a an emotional like uh, me as a person connection to these fictional characters. Some, sometimes I've had that before with Kara, but I haven't had that connection with Kara in a long time. But I sort of felt that with Jean and Magan in this episode where I could feel the connection that they had as, as characters. And so ah, I really wish Magan, we could keep Magan because she, she, um, she gave Jean something, 
something more to live for as a character. Yeah, I, I liked having her around in this one a lot. Uh, it made me realize that I kind of missed her um, since she's been gone. And I, I, I kind of like the dynamic that she adds when she uh, gets to talk to everybody, but John in, in particular. Yeah. Okay. And so before we get a feedback, can we do a little quick boardroom or ballroom? And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Because I had a question mostly about uh, Andrea Rojas uh, and what she was wearing um, because she was in the boardroom. Uh, but can you help me understand why you would need like a half of a dress on a pair of leather pants? <laughs> There's um, that's a good question. That's a good question. So uh, I don't know what she was thinking. Perhaps she was thinking. I'm going to be rocking these leather pants. I'm going to be like a Buffy Sierra, like 1999, but my butt could get cold. So I really <laughs> want to tunic it up. Like, I don't, I, maybe she's like, I, I want to look like I'm prowling for, for vampires, <laughs> but also my neck is cold and, uh, but my arms are hot. And so I need the arms out. I need the neck covered, you know, for the vampires. The <laughs> arms need to be out for full range of motion. I think that later on in the night, she's going to be um, fighting some vampires. I think she is a slayer. That's that's why we haven't seen Andrea Rojas this season. Uh, she got her calling post-crisis, uh, and, and she is the one true slayer. I think it's the only thing that makes sense. I think we've cracked this wide open. <laughs> I think this is open and shut now. <laughs> well, that makes a lot of sense for me. Uh, so thanks for clarifying. <laughs> Um, uh, very weird outfit. <laughs> so um, weird. Um, uh, did you have any thoughts about Lena specifically with Lena's wardrobe? She had that, uh, I think she's worn that purple coat, uh, before, uh, but it did seem, uh, like that made a recurrence in the episode. Um, so that, that was the only thing that stood out for Lena in terms of her wardrobe. Yeah. I, li I liked her purple coat, um, that she was wearing at the end of the episode and probably, was it the beginning that she also wore that too or uh, it was or was she kind of in her like suit like little suit yeah jacket she, yeah i think she was in the 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 non cherry project suit for most of the episode yeah i like the i like the coat though i thought that was a it was a nice color I, I always like her in luther purples too yeah i agree um and the only other thing i noticed was uh you know, pencil skirt's still rocking the green. So she's pencil uh... skirt is committed to that green. I noticed that as soon as she walked in to talk to Ramakan, uh, and she was like rocking the green. And I was like, I guess. Okay. Green. She, still she, green. She found a color and she's sticking with it. Uh, she, <laughs> she, she knows what is uh, working for her. And this has been Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom that's gonna do it for our discussion but let's find out what our listeners had to say about the missing link at mark hb pwm said speaking of comics accuracy leviathan just destroyed the deo so long as the supreme leader doesn't turn out to be a random manhunter no one cares about i'll be happy also alex getting a mask is that in addition to or instead of a baby? <laughs> uh, also, Katie and John killed it. 
Also, oh, and Katie and John killed it. Also, uh, have you seen the synopsis for next week? Even though it's the season finale, it still says penultimate. (laughs) I am even more convinced that one of you works for the show. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it's the pen. The it's the penultimate episode as long as you believe it is. It's like Tinkerbell. Um, at Kaya underscore Matsui said, I didn't like Kara much in this episode. The way she kept putting Lena and Lex at the same level didn't sit well with me, but the irony of her needing Lena to build her a suit at the end was delicious. Katie McGraw was amazing on this one. She made me cry twice in one episode. Um, at Patty Mello 20 said, I didn't think it was possible to love Lena Luther even more than I already did. But after this episode, I was proven wrong. It takes real courage to admit when you made a big mistake and she did it without thinking twice. But did they really need to stretch this plot for 18 episodes? The answer is no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at Pretty Girl Ninja said, really enjoyed this penultimate episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, shocked the DEO is gone. It was so nice having Miss Martian back. I hope she stays for season six. I'm disappointed in the non-no cherry story. Seems like such a waste for, for it to fail. Finally, Cara and Lena are headed towards reconciliation. That's actually a really good point. For that to have been really threatening, they should have succeeded. And, yeah. I, and I don't know if that'll happen in the season finale, but to really raise the stakes, they should end the season with the entire world mind controlled. Yeah, I agree. And and also I think if it like maybe if it had worked and Lena had come to that realization, it might have been a little bit more impactful than her being like, Well, it didn't work. I guess I was wrong about yeah. everything. Uh if she had like if it had worked perfectly and she was like, Ooh, I think I did a big mistake. Uh, yeah. But but every time that she in, in the at the end of the episode when she was talking to Cara and she said, "I've made a huge mistake." I just heard like a, I don't know if you've ever seen Arrested Development. Joe, Joe Blues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that was the that was the Lena. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is what I thought of as well. Yeah, I I think um I don't know. You probably never saw the end of season two of V, like the reimagined V with Elizabeth Mitchell. No, I don't think I ever made um, it to the end of season two. <sighs> season two is really frustrating but the end of season two was really good and it was basically um so marina uh yeah marina baccarin uh control uh she basically controls humanity um through this thing called the bliss and everybody is controlled except for elizabeth mitchell's character and it's really like i'm so mad that they didn't continue on with that show because i was like god that was such a good way to end that season like i would have been really interested in seeing what happened when they came back so I I will be surprised if the Nana Cherry thing is just dropped altogether. Because I think if you're going to go into a finale, the villain has to at least appear to be winning. So uh, I would be really surprised if we see Nana Cherry dropped in some form or fashion. Like, I think it has to keep going. Even, even if Lena is not doing anything with it, I think Nana Cherry still has to come into play. And I think she did mention to to uh, to Cara when she was talking to her, like, I might have made a big weapon and my brother might have it. And now <laughs> Leviathan might have it. Listen, uh, mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I fully expect Lex to, to be using it in some way in the, in the finale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. 
Um, at Electra WWF said, disappointed with the use of Brainy this season. He's techno-organic, just like Leviathan, and is a technology genius. Surely they could have done more than have him be constantly duped by Lex. Here's hoping Brainy is allowed to show off his 12th, uh, his 12th level intellect next week. Um, at Square Screen E said, concerning your talk last week about the Daft Punk suit, it was established on Earth Prime in episode 10 or 11 that anti-kryptonite technology wasn't created and that Brainy removed the kryptonite weaponry in the Lexo suit to absorb sunlight instead. Yeah, and Kanisha also wrote in about this same topic, writing, quote, in the episode Back from the Future Part 2, Lex tells Alex over the rotary phone to get rid of D, uh, to get rid of DEO tech that Toy Man could have compromised when he uploaded himself into the DEO system. Lex didn't want Supergirl to handle it because he's Lex, uh, then mentions kryptonite safeguards that can't be disabled. Alex responds saying that there's anti-kryptonite technology. Then Lex says she must be remembering that from another Earth. To me, that exchange implied that the Daft Punk suit was another casualty of crisis, unquote. So, yeah, I mean, that all makes sense. Uh, I think those are some really good points that um, this the, the Daft Punk thing, uh, uh, the Daft Punk suit thing, would have been uh, created in Season 4, like we saw, but that was uh, a suit that was created on Earth-38. And so when Crisis happened, the multiverse was rebooted, and maybe on Earth Prime that was not a thing that happened. So I th that all makes sense to me. Um, at the Ash and Luca said, I know people are upset at Kara for being so suspicious of Lena this episode, but after everything, I think she's allowed a moment to be skeptical. The scene between Lex and Lena really reminded me of the fact that Lena is an abuse survivor. Glad this storyline is over and we are free. <laughs> um, at Aildu said turns out Lena was the one who fought for her own soul good for her now it's time to move on at this point they have to drop the but could she become evil storyline Lena is good sometimes misguided and chaotic but good also John and Katie's performances were incredible um, uh, at C. Kyle, one, said, I cannot stand Brainy. I don't fault the actor. He's written in an awful way, and quite frankly, he's he seems stupid for someone who should be the smartest person on Earth. Bring back Wynn. Let's resolve the Kara Lena story. Enough dragging it out enough dragging it out already. Hashtag R.I.P.D.E.O. Hashtag never forget. Never forget. Uh, at SuperQuinn19 said, Loved this episode. Lex was terrifying, and Katie really showed how deeply Lena has been tormented by him and the Luthers over the years. It made my heart hurt. Question. The 100th episode was all mixy, so not canon because of alternate realities. Have Kara and Lena interacted in the second half of season five other than the immediate post-crisis episode where Supergirl goes to Elcorp and when Lena gave the book to Kara last episode? This is bonkers. Yeah, that's, oh. that's a good question. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think they interacted a whole lot. Wow. I didn't, uh, I don't think I put that together, although I have been complaining about how it feels like they sort of backburnered that story, but I think that is correct. I think those are the only two instances. Um, at Sony Ravat 1997 said, I hope this episode, I hope in this episode, it became clear that Lena was mentally abused by Lex from her childhood. And that's why it was difficult for her to see all the signs of his madness. I'm very glad that the show made it very clear that to the core, Lena is a good person, just misguided. So that's, that's interesting kind of like dovetailing with what we were talking about. 
Um, at well, this then said bad writing, muddled storylines. This season is a write-off. You know, it's it's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that was brutal. But is it wrong? There is a lot I liked about the in this season, but it is uh, more than any other Supergirl season has been all over the map. So let me tell you a really quick story, Morgan, that I've uh, been thinking about with season five. Um, uh-huh. So. One day when I was at my house, I I want to say this was back when I was like maybe at, at home for the summer from college and I was in my house that, you know, I was living in with my parents and I smelled fire and I was like, oh my gosh, the house is on fire. Something is burning and I freaked out. And so I ran outside and I went to the front yard and my dad was out there the entire front yard was on fire what (laughs) and i was like dad do you see the fire that is on the front yard and he was like yeah yeah i started it i was like what are you doing what and he he said something to the effect of uh this was uh something that i learned about that you know it was basically a controlled burn and that's why like it helps the grass if you burn it oh (laughs) apparently it worked uh we our house didn't catch on fire uh, the, the fire eventually went out. Uh, so I guess controlled burns are a thing. I saw a video recently on Facebook where somebody had done it in Spain and it was fascinating because when the fire went over like a, a bunch of pollen on the grass, the fire like made it pristine looking like the grass, oh. the grass was so green, like the, the pollen burned up and it just revealed all this green lush grass, uh, grass. So I guess that's what my dad did. Uh, uh, unfortunately he passed away in 2006, so I can't, uh, pick his brain about, I wish I had asked him more about the controlled burning of our front yard. Like I wish, I wish I had asked him more about that, but that, the reason I mentioned that story is not only that it's funny that my dad set our front yard on fire intentionally, (laughs) is that, um, that's kind of how I see season five. I feel like at this point in the season, they have literally (laughs) burned the front yard down they have they have <laughs> they burned the, they burned it metaphorically by having the deo crumble to the ground and um and maybe maybe that will end up being a good thing for the show i don't know i would like to to believe in that cr- controlled burn i want to believe that that's going to make the grass greener on the other side uh so i'm i'm hoping that even though the season has felt uh unbalanced and it has felt like sometimes they didn't know what they were doing and sometimes it was a little unfair to the showrunners because of crisis uh but maybe and this is my optimistic side coming out that maybe in season six they'll learn from some of this stuff and they'll be able to start fresh because they won't have like a big world ending crossover event that they have to deal with um so that's just me trying to be optimistic uh with the story of my dad um burning our front yard (laughs) Uh, I I really hope that that's the case that they kind of uh, they can kind of get together after this season and really regroup I think they're going to have a long time to think about what worked and didn't work in this season uh, unfortunately for us probably but um, I'm hoping that they come out of the gate season six really strong Burn, burn down that front front yard and come back with some nice Do, do that control burn and uh, get that green uh, lush grass. You know who would appreciate the metaphor that you just told, Rebecca? Ramakan. Our boy Ramakan. <laughs> 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 oh. 
Uh, <laughs> our next tweet is from at Supergirl zero two two nine zero zero, who said, "Lena was very much verbally abused by Lex in, in the prison. You can't say she wasn't. He was up in her face, screaming at her and saying he only wanted to see her fail. I'm glad that Lena took the high road and went to own up for what she did to Kara. That showed character growth." Um, and at Picks by Katie McGee said, "Lex had that tell us." teletransportation watch on him all along they didn't really need to run across the prison to get to lena's office he just made her run in heels for no reason (laughs) and next to wearing a wig after your wig rating episode that's the most villainous thing he's done (laughs) (laughs) oh that's amazing yeah i i think making somebody run in heels through a prison riot is not cool (laughs) uh uh, also why have pete hint that car speaks many languages and then not use that when Brainy speaks with Rama Khan. It made me remember the times when Rebecca points out useless plots in the in the writing. Other than that, I think it was a great episode. Glad the Carolina drama is over. That whole thing with him pointing out the languages with Kara, it was just to have a joke be in there. It, yeah. it was simply to have that joke about oh, you're you're obviously not an alien. You're totally not an alien. That that was the whole reason that it existed was to make that joke about Kara being like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm totally from Midvale. That's definitely where I was born. Um, and so unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, they just put that in there uh, to make a joke. But I do think there is a good point in there that maybe that could have come into play where she did have some knowledge of another language. I wouldn't have put it past Kara to know... M- another language other than uh kryptonian or kryptonese um yeah that's a good point oh rebecca so i have a, a i have a really hot take theory here Ooh, oh and i'm gonna i'm gonna be wrong um and i forgot to mention it during our episode discussion but are you ready for it i am so ready okay i think rudy is the head of leviathan <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> because because but but they said it was a she though <laughs> But I mean, they've ignored he, he things could, like that in the past. He, he, <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> he could be wearing an image inducer. I really, he could, he could I be. like this theory a lot, though. Because in my mind, why would you get beloved character actor <laughs> Sean Austin for this? Like he's in one episode, he's evil and not even really him, and in this episode, he just, uh, he just pulled the Giles and looked up some textbooks, and he went over there and he was like. Oh, uh, yeah, they they wouldn't let me into the collections. I, uh-huh. I, uh... As soon as I mentioned Leviathan, they were like, no way, sir. And she was like, oh, really? Well, I can help you get in there. No, 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 no. They're not going to let you in. Like, I was like, won't they let you in, Rudy? Or maybe or maybe Samwise. Maybe. You're full of it. <laughs> I like this theory a lot. Um Let's see. I don't know that it hangs together. I don't think it makes any sense, but I'm committed to it. I love it. Uh, And I think it has to be somebody big. It can't just be somebody we've never met before. No. It has to be someone we already know. Unless what if Eve is the head of Leviathan? I mean, I guess it's possible because they did say it was a she, but then... But then none of her story makes sense. Um, maybe it, it was like se- secretly Robot Eve, uh, Robot Hope all along. <gasps> <inside>. <gasps> Morgan, what if 
what if robot hope is still alive and she's the head of the leviathan <gasps> yes. oh, that's even better what lena doesn't realize is that she like truly created a monster and it's like <laughs> post-crisis that is the way we have always said that from the first episode i think i think we we said that the ai should become the big, big bad at the end of the season that is the way the show had always that should that should have gone down i have the perfect explanation too which is that when C lena created her ai the uh leviathan which is a techno organic species just like creeped into hope and turned her into um our favorite homicidal little robot <laughs> i i love this theory i i love this more than the rudy theory <laughs> me too because <laughs> it brings back my hope voice <laughs> it, we get to the finale and like like eve turns around and she's like guess what it's me hope hello lena my friend <laughs> let's kill supergirl because <laughs> that was her plan all along that was what hope wanted to do all season long was to kill supergirl <laughs> now she's got all the kryptonite she's ready to go she is ready to go her plan has worked flawlessly morgan that is so good that if they don't do that i'm i'm gonna give this season of uh -oh. an f if they <laughs> you know they won't <laughs> it's too perfect it's too delicious oh man oh man oh i i don't i i'm trying to like get into the headspace to go back into the emails because that's so good all right well um we're just gonna we're just gonna put that out there. Those are our theories going into the finale. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, we received an email from Leslie who writes, "Quote: I understand that Supergirl should not have been able to wear the Lexo suit and should have worn the space suit Alex threw onto Supergirl's body. And what's so funny about truth, justice in the American way?" But that suit would not work in this scenario because the Sun Eater drained Supergirl's body of all of its sunlight and sent, and she had been knocked out onto the flo floor in the fortress. Brainy said there was a Lexo suit at the DEO and he would get it to Supergirl. I, however, have thought all of the Lexo suits had been destroyed by Supergirl in Back from the Future Part 2. Brainy also said that if the Lexo suit's internal radiation could be calibrated to 1,000 watts per meter, it would act like a mini sun chamber, presumably because there are no sun lamps in the fortress for Supergirl. Why aren't there any sun lamps in the fortress? That's a whole other yeah. thing, but that seems like <laughs> that would make sense. Uh, so Superman needs to do something about that. Uh, Leslie goes on to say, We know from All About Eve that the Lexo suit's kryptonite em emissions can be lowered to merely hold Supergirl as opposed to kill her. That also doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't the Lexo suit just kill Supergirl? Uh, Leslie goes on to say, it therefore makes sense that the Lexo suit's kryptonite emissions can be turned completely off. Also, when Alex quit the DEO and Back from the Future Part 2, she and Brainy brought two huge suitcases with her. She said she had gathered all of the kryptonite, Lexo suits, and lockdown shields she could grab. But in Deus Lex Machina... Brainy said that the Lexo suits were at the DEO, unquote. Well, thank you, Leslie, huh. for bringing all the receipts. Um, yeah, for real. That's really good to know about all that uh, Lexo suit factoids. Um, I have so many questions now about uh, the fortress and the sun lamps and uh, why the Lexo suits uh, don't just try to kill Kryptonians. 
Uh, so many questions, but uh, thank you for uh, going back and uh, finding that all that information. Uh, so Chase wrote in to say, how lucky of Kara that Lena went to apologize before she had to go crawl for help because she would be killed without her after she accused Lena of being part of Leviathan because of her last name without any evidence. Oh, well, it seems that Lena fought for her own soul and won. Good to know that Supergirl does not fight for victims of abuse. Well, okay. That's coming in hot on this one, yeah, aren't you, Chase? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can I can understand part of that, like especially the accusing Lena being part of Leviathan uh, without evidence. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's the case. I mean, Lena uh, Carr did know that Lena was up to something with the non-no cherry and uh, the mind control, and uh, I think because yeah. of the the whole VR thing that sort of did play into that. I also think we we can be a little kinder to Kara if we can be kind to Lena, because yes. like Lena has been really mean to Kara all season, and yeah. there are definitely reasons, and I think we all understand them and sympathize with them. But on the other hand, like Kara has really just been taking it on the chin from Lena for months, months and months. Like every time she tries to extend a, like an olive branch or a hand or apologize, Lena's just batting it away, being like, "I don't want to be your friend." So like I feel like at some point, like you're gonna snap a little bit and be like, all right, I'm I'm t I'm tired of it. I'm gonna start thinking the worst of this person. <laughs> like they will not let me uh, think the best of it. like. So I kind of I guess I feel for both sides of the Kara and Lena divide on this one because I do think that like to Kara's credit, she had she had been holding out hope for Lena for a really long time. Lena had been kind of nothing but mean to her, and then she had her hopes up last episode. And then Lena yelled at her again, and then she was almost killed by a baby sun eater. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she doesn't know that that was Lex that, like, you know, uh, manipulated that whole situation. You know, she might have thought that Lena had something to do with it. Yeah, I mean, she she knew at least that Luthers were probably behind it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do always come back to that scene where Lena locks... Supergirl up in the ice in the fortress because that was devastating. Because Kara, yeah, like that so, wasn't very nice. <laughs> that was so sad, and it just Kara was like a little puppy, like locked up in a cage. Like it just it that that was like that was to me that was the most villainous thing that Lena could have done was that she locked her up there with the hope of her being like stuck in there forever. Ugh, that that that's where I kind of come back with Lena is that Lena could have just been like. Oh, I get it. You wanted to protect me from villains who would have found out your secret, but she took it as this is really offensive to me. Uh, and then she went crazy and tried to mind control the world. So I, <laughs> I, I agree that I can understand both sides, but I, I think you know we we have to sort of look at it. If we're gonna look at it from Lena's side of things, we got to look at it from Kara's side of things too. Uh, so Kenny wrote in to say, quote, all the character scenes and arcs in this episode were so good. The stunt work was amazing and jam-packed as always. Not a single bad scene in the episode and it sets up the season five finale well, unquote. I will agree that I think it did set up the, the finale pretty well. Yeah, and I think the stunt work was actually really good in this one, too. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Courtney asks, why doesn't Kara just levitate whenever fighting Ramakan? He can't control the air, so when he jam jams his staff on the ground, it wouldn't affect her. I mean, he'll still get the kryptonite, but maybe it'd be harder, and outcomes would have been different. I I think that's a good that's a good question. Yeah, no, that's fair. It would also be really funny to see her up in the air and be like, "You can't get me up here." <laughs> 
where's your dirt where's your dirt now ramakan i mean maybe he can like aim it in the air <laughs> that's true but uh but i don't know that it would be quite as effective as it would uh if the the ground was sort of uh a sinkhole to try to grab her in uh but that's a that's a really fair question courtney uh good good question all right, well, this is kind of a long one, but I thought it was pretty good because I, fe I feel it in my bones. Uh, <laughs> so Stu wrote in to say, quote, three years. That's how long they built up Lena not knowing Kara's secret and the friction that created between her and Supergirl. Three years of you, me, and everyone else being annoyed at all the stupid excuses they came up with for Kara being telling virtually everyone else before Lena. Three years of all the situations where Lena should have figured it out, but didn't because she was written like an idiot. Three years to get us to the point where she found out and felt utterly betrayed and humiliated by it. Three years. One might think that um, that amount of buildup was the interest of creating a well-developed, personal-worthy villain for Supergirl and that they'd be committing to the storyline completely. But nope, what we got instead is an extended tiff between BFFs. You want to complain about Lex getting too much focus as the antagonist mastermind, but who else is going to get that role if they're not going to go there with Lena? This show had the opportunity to do so much with her as Kara's arch nemesis, and they didn't because it was more important to them that Kara have a friend. Not that Kara is lacking for those, what with her bloated supporting cast that don't give uh, get to live up to their potential as, as it is, uh, oh, another character is becoming a mass vigilante? Really? <laughs> they have Martian Manhunter on the show, and somehow it feels like he's doing even less now because uh, a le uh, despite having a less budget-intensive look. Oh, wait, he's hooking up with McGonagan, who in the comics is treated as his niece, by the way. Ew. I know this is probably not a popular stance to have, but it's long-term issues I've been having with this show but, uh, that they just refuse to do anything about. I truly hope that next season the showrunners take advantage of the combi combined post-crisis, post-Amaday world and all the new elements that have afforded them besides aliens, aliens, and more aliens. Magic, metahumans, hey, we could even have some sort of interagency conflict between the DEO and Argus. You don't want to see Supergirl versus the Suicide Squad? Just try a little harder to use your imagination and what you actually have at your disposal, people, unquote. <laughs> so um, I personally agree with a lot of things that Stu uh, said here. I do think that uh, it's a really good point that they um, they built up that whole, like, Lena didn't know for so many years. And then it kind of didn't do, I mean, they didn't do a lot with it once she found out. Like, she got a little mad. And she tried to mind control people, and then that was kind of it. It feels like they both, like, did too much and not enough with that storyline. It's a weird thing to to explain. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh... Like, it went on too long, but it was also, like, not enough, like, meaty story in there. Yeah, I, I think it I think it um, warranted a, a bigger, grander thing than what, what we actually are, what we actually got. And I agree, like, if they do keep the DEO around, there's so many things that you could do with the DEO. I, I actually think it would be cool to explore, like, the DEO versus Argus and some of these other agencies um, that exist in the DC universe. Uh, you, could, you could really tell a lot of cool stories. They haven't explored, really, magic on the show. Um, they've had some metahumans, but magic is not really... Um, they had Kryptonian witches and still didn't really do much with them. <laughs> with them. Oh, I, I miss the Kryptonian witches, especially the dumb one. The dumb one was so She's fun. my favorite. She was a karaoke <laughs> night a couple times. Uh, she was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked I liked Vita the dumb one. Uh, yeah, so they had Kryptonian witches and still didn't really do much with them. 
so I, I think, Stu, it, it might not be popular to some people, but I think you make a lot of really good points. And um, thank you for writing in. So Joshua sent us an email saying, at one point, Kara bursts through the mirror and confronts Ramakan. The problem here is that Kara seems to jump through the glass and land an Iron Man pose. Why? Why didn't she just rocket through the glass and grab Ramakan? Why did she stop and land just like that uh, and land like that just to have a one liner to look cool? It doesn't look cool when you know a character is faster and stronger than that. Maybe if Nia or Brainy did that move using their Legion ring shields, it would have been cool. But for Kara to do that just seems a little stupid. We are all obviously forgiving of a little stupidity on the show, but this seemed to be a really out of character. Oh, this seemed to be really out of character. It, it's almost irresponsible for Kara to not come in at full force. I think that's a fair point. Really it's, a, it's a fair point. I mean, uh, Kara could burst through that glass and just go straight for Ramakan. She didn't have to, like, stop and land. Uh, so that's that's a good point. Uh, well, Daryl wrote in to say, quote, Alex doesn't need to be a mass vigilante. They tried it with James, and despite their many attempts to get us behind Guardian, the audience just didn't. They are really starting to forget how great the character of Alex is if they uh, have to do this to her character. She has never needed more than her wits, her gun, and her team, unquote. The solid, solid point. Yeah, very true. Uh, new Rachel wrote in to say, I'm thinking, I'm thinking most about... Uh, is Alex becoming a vigilante in the near future? And especially what her superhero name could be if she takes one. So consider, one, Alex's suit when she was Supergirl was black and blue. Two, Alex could have heard Kryptonian myths about from Kara at some point over the years. Three, we have no idea about whether or not Dick Grayson exists in this universe. And if he does, he could have another superhero name or their can just be two superheroes with the same name conclusion i know it probably won't happen but i think it would be very cool if alex were to take on the superhero name nightwing uh <laughs> i i don't want to sound disrespectful new rachel uh but i would hate that immensely um and the reason that i would is that uh if they're gonna make alex a superhero she should be her own superhero she should be a, a brand new superhero and have her own identity i wouldn't want alex to take someone else's identity and 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 have to try to live up to something like that um i would i would rather that be the case now in supergirl comics when they have gone into the uh bottle city of candor they have um they have the situation where uh uh, Supergirl, uh, I, f I forget which one she is, uh, Flamebird. Um, when they're in the Battle City of Candor, they do have these characters, Flamebird and Nightwing. So if they were going to use Nightwing, they should use it in that instance. Uh, because I, I want to say that Thara, who has the gazebo on Argo, in the comics, <laughs> she is Flamebird and Kara is uh, Nightwing. So uh, they're there is a Nightwing that exists in the world of Supergirl, but uh, if it's not Kara, assuming that, then nobody else should assume it uh, as as a name. So uh, I think that uh, I would not like to see that, and I hope I've uh, justified my reasoning for that. But um, but you make a good point about the, the Supergirl suit being black and blue and how that might uh, translate into a costume for Alex in the future. I mean, I think it would be weird to call her Nightwing when there is like a Nightwing character. 
I would I would rather Alex be her own thing, I think. But I mean, I, I'm with you on the, the thought process. I just think that like I'd rather if Alex has to be a vigilante, uh, I'd rather her have her own name. I mean, I don't even want her to be guardian. No, let I don't, her, let her, I don't let, want it. <laughs> let, her, let her be something else. Uh, all right, so our final email comes from Danae, who wrote in to say, quote, Nano Cherry is dead. Oh, how I have loved to hear these words. Katie's acting was really moving in those scenes, both when Alina stood up to Lex and when she came to Cara to offer up her apologies and her help. You could really see the tension in her body language and hear it in her voice. And Melissa's acting was good, too, the way she played Cara, not quite knowing how to respond, how to react to Lena after such a long feud. I really hope they are going to have a talk at some point, though, since there were... Uh, since there are so many misconceptions between them still, how Lena wasn't part of setting the baby son eater free, how Kara didn't mean to send a virus or uh, on her hologram, and that kind of stuff. But I really do hope they can work toward towards a tentative friendship when this is all over. Kara and Lena are really are stronger together, and I hope we'll get to see it in the next episode, unquote. Before we wrap up our feedback, we need to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended, and explanations are unnecessary. So our first set of snap judgments are from uh, at Kaya underscore Matsui, who says... What should Eve do with William? A, send him back to England. B, keep him as her henchman. Or C, set him free in the woods. <laughs> That's a death sentence if he goes into the woods. <laughs> we've, we've seen what happens in the woods. <laughs> no one's coming for him if he's in the woods. She'll set him free in the woods and then Eve will accidentally go and kill him later on. <laughs> Uh, I think, but what will happen first is that uh, Kara will vow to never stop looking for him <laughs> and then immediately forget he existed. <laughs> I think I like set him free in the woods. I think I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> I'm going set him free in the woods, too. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he could probably gallop pretty freely in the That's woods, true. too. He would, it would be right at home. Um, okay, now that this DEO is gone, should we go back to the desert facility or stay only with the tower, now funded by Lena, because even heroes need money? I mean, I wish we could keep the DEO, but I think they're going to go solely with the tower. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be solely with the tower as well. So uh, we got a snap judgment from at Medved Zinnia, who says, what moment felt more like a scene out of a horror movie? The zombie... <laughs> <laughs> zombie prisoners trying to break through the door or William creepily following a lone woman down a dark alley at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, she turned the tables on you, didn't she, William? <laughs> yeah, uh, William totally got, I think uh, William being kidnapped is also part of a horror movie. Um, I'm going to say zombie prisoners trying to break through the door because I I actually did think about zombies when uh, that sequence was going on. Oh yeah, the zombie, I would not want to be stuck in a, in a prison during a zombie prison riot. Mm -hmm. I think that's, probably a bad scene uh so we got a bunch of snap judgments from uh danae who uh first one is which ramacon merch do you want ramacons rama wine or the deck of rama cards <laughs> and we should note that uh danae spelled it uh 
instead of c-a-r-d-s it's uh rama k-h-a-r-d-s which is fantastic uh sol- solid uh joke there uh, uh Denae. um <laughs> i would uh i i immediately wanted a deck of ramacon playing cards oh me too uh like if i could have one uh one thing from set it would be the gray sweater but if i could have a second thing <laughs> If I could have a second thing from set, it would be those Rama cards. <laughs> oh, man. If we uh, could ask, uh, that's what we would want. Yes. <laughs> Please donate a Rama card to Morgan. <laughs> she, wants, she wants so much. <laughs> uh, okay. Our next step judgment from Danae is, how did William recognize the image inducer? Because next to being a reporter, he's also a hacker who can trace image inducers. Or because he uses an image inducer himself <gasps> to hide the identity of Thomas the Super Horse. That's, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and we're going to find that out in the next step in the finale because it's totally going to come out. I think we cracked this wide open. We were asking how, how he figured it out, how he didn't just think it was a Zoom background. And you know why? He was like, well, I recognize uh, an image inducer any day for I am a horse. <laughs> yes, I, I'm going to go uh, using an image inducer himself because he is uh, secretly coming to super horse. Totally, totally the image inducer he's been using. Uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, that's my favorite brand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which is more confusing? If Kelly knows that Car is Supergirl or if Car and William are dating? You know, I'm going to say Kelly knowing that Kara is Supergirl because I've just kind of assumed that Kara and William are only dating because William bakes a lot. And I, <laughs> I can I can understand that. What I don't understand is if Kelly knows that Kara is Supergirl. So I'm going to say that. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with a, I need to know if Kelly knows that Kara is Supergirl. I don't know. Uh, and it's the show is unclear on it <laughs> and not interested in knowing. And like, like you said, I... Uh, I feel very much that Cara is now only dating William for the food, and I re- I respect that. I mean, I really do. I bet I bet like William probably watches a lot of like Great British Bake Off and can like make like a really amazing uh like bread. Like he makes really amazing yeah. bread from scratch that he brings her, and she's just like, I don't care that you're boring. Like your bread is off the chain. <laughs> Okay, Danae wants to know, how is William going to make Eve let him go? He's going to do karaoke with her, or he's going to make her baked goods. I think the baked goods are just so good. Like, whatever it is, it Kara loves them, so I think uh, anybody would like them if Kara likes them, so I'm going to go baked goods. I think he's like, hold on, why don't I just whip you up a Victoria sponge? And she's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's how he escapes. He's just, he bakes his way out of it as the, as the British are wont to do. <laughs> uh, um, okay, Danae's last snap judgment. Since the past couple of episodes have been kind of confusing, how can this season make sense after all? One. Everything right now is just one of the simulations Lena started in the season premiere with the VR lenses. Or everything right now is on the tape that Kara picked up at the end of the 100th episode, the one where Lena and Lex work together. Ooh, these are two really good choices. I like uh, the 100th episode tape. Yeah, I like that too. I feel like we could reset to kind of an interesting point in the season uh, and like really undo some stuff. I think if we reset to the beginning, 
then we might have to we might have to go through Leviathan again. And I don't I don't know that I have the strength unless it's a an all Ramacon <laughs> content Leviathan season. In which case, bring it on. Actually, I've changed my answer. I want to go back to the first. I want to go back to the premiere. Let's do it all over again. Let's just dedicate this one to Ramacon. <laughs> I can't argue with that. I think that's a good reason. <laughs> okay. So our last set of snap judgments are from Anna. Okay, we're about to go on a journey. I see from the second one that Anna has indeed sent me a happy snap judgment, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Anna, girl, thank you. Thank you. You, you, you answered my call, <laughs> and I appreciate it. I like it. Okay, let's get through the first one, which I'm sure is going to be upset. It's going to be devastating, I'm sure. It's going to be, it's going to break my heart. Okay. <laughs> On the way to Kara's apartment while crying, what was scare- scaring Lena the most? The fear that Kara would turn her away and then Lex would win and she would lose Kara forever. Or the fear that everything was a lie and no one, not her family, nor Kara, had ever truly loved her and that she was inherently unlovable oh lena i want to give you a hug girl i mean i was prepared for that being sad but wow that was a gut punch yeah Hmm. inherently unlovable yikes uh uh, Hmm. okay so what was scaring lena the most i would go i would would go this the second one that everything was a lie and no one not even her family or car had ever truly loved her i think that i think that's the her that the idea that she might be inherently unlovable is like probably Lena's like biggest fear. I think Anna like hit onto something. I think that's probably what Lena's the most afraid of. So I think that that was, that was probably like most of it. Like, you know, she's going to have to apologize to Carr. What if Carr doesn't accept the apology? Like what if she's wrong about everything? Yeah, that was, that was deep, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That really uh, had a, had a good insight in there, even though it was a, uh, it's kind of sad. Okay, well, now we have a happy one, though, because Anna promised me. <laughs> we made a pact, Anna and I, that she was going to finish off this journey on a, on a positive note. So, uh, Anna says, happy snap for Morgan. Uh, what does Kara love most about Lena? Her intelligence and bravery or her kind smile and the goodness within her? I'm going to go intelligence and bravery. I think that, like, not only does uh, Carr really appreciate that about Lena, but it's very useful. Yeah, I also am going to go intelligence and bravery because I think um, I I have a little bit of a time hard time with the kind smile because Lena has played Carr a little bit this season be, by having a fake smile. So I'm kind of <laughs> holding true. that against Lena's intelligence and bravery. Yeah, I mean, who else can make her that Daft Punk suit again? Yeah, <laughs> only <laughs> Lena. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right, well, thanks everybody for all of the uh, the feedback and the snap judgments. Uh, I think that's going to do it for everybody's thoughts on uh, the missing link, the penultimate episode of season five. <laughs> If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. And make sure to write in and call all before Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Although uh, next week when we do our live finale uh, live stream, we probably won't be able to take uh, emails or 
tweets, maybe uh, send in your snap judgments. We might still do those, uh, but we might have to take feedback and put them on the website just, just for the sake of time. Um, so, But definitely let us know what you thought about the episode. Anyway, uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show. Uh, you can also check us out on Radio Public and Podchaser. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And you can find all the links to everything I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to the Macho Man for the DC TV plugs. Oh, yeah, this is the Macho Man Randy Savage, and I'm here to tell you that Supergirl Radio... It's a part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you like other shows on their network, like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Batwoman, Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Stargirl, and don't forget the classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to all this on DC TV Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Dig it. And you can follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid, and you can see content I have been editing and hosting lately for the University of Alabama Museums. Uh, you can do that by subs- subscribing to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash UA Museums. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. You can also, um, also, also, you should follow my cats. This is very important. You don't have to follow me, but you should follow my cats on Instagram. They're at the lab cats, Beaker and Bunsen. Uh, they're into all kinds of shenanigans lately, and you don't want to miss those shenanigans. I highly <laughs> recommend at the lab cats because, uh, the pictures are great and uh, I'm liking the idea that I get to follow uh, Bunsen and Beaker around and, and what, what they're up to. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast where our motto is you should watch the show, but you don't have to. You don't have to. Uh, and, and, and listen, we've really incorporated this season. Maybe you used to listen to it and you're like, you know what? There's not enough historical facts in this podcast. <laughs> We have really gone out of our way to almost give you some historical facts this season. <laughs> we are so close. If there is a history.com listicle for it, you can bet we will summarize it badly for you. And that is our guarantee. <laughs> um, but on a, a more serious note, I don't usually plug any of my personal work stuff, but we are actually, my job is actually doing kind of a cool um, charity um campaign chat like social media challenge called hashtag windows of hope where we're encouraging people to put up hopeful messages in their windows um and post those photos with the hashtag windows of hope and for every photo that we get we're going to donate 50 dollars to the united way so if you want to you know if you want an arts and crafts project if you got a window that's just looking really empty that you're <laughs> just continually staring out of all day wondering what outside is like now is your time to just like maybe stick a heart on that thing snap a picture and and send it in that's really cool can it be of someone else's window like if i'm too lazy to like do anything can i take a picture of my name because my neighbors have been really artistic uh but can can i submit like a like a neighbor photo i'm sure that's fine if your neighbors are chill with it okay all right 
I'll, I'll see uh, what, what I can find. That's that's really cool that, that y'all are raising money for that. All right. And also congratulations to the Legends of Tomorrow podcast because I think y'all just celebrated oh, a fifth yeah. year anniversary. Probably should have plugged that. Yeah, we just hit uh we just hit our five year anniversary uh this week and we released a special episode. So if you have at any point in time listened to the Legends of Tomorrow episode, you uh tomorrow podcast even, uh you probably want to check out this episode because we kind of rounded up our own sort of legends of tomorrow justice league where we got um almost everybody who has either hosted or co-hosted the show in the past um back onto the podcast to just kind of talk about like what everybody's been up to for the last five years and it was really fun to just catch up that's awesome well very very cool well i think that's going to do it for this episode of supergirl radio on the missing link but until next time i'm still rebecca johnson i'm still morgan glennon and we will take two sets of those romacon playing card sets (laughs) yes please